One of the things that makes football a beautiful game is the team element of it, the brotherhood. There are a few players on the Vikings who I think are great examples of that. Welcome to the Everman series on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun. Let's find some joy today. You can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it isn't a podcast listening app or platform like SiriusXM, partnered with them, very cool, or YouTube or Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Thank you so much for those of you who do listen to this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers sound off. You leave a YouTube comment or Twitter post or whatever if you can. Um, today is the last day of this week. I the, full disclosure, I'm recording this uh, a week before you listen to this, uh, as I am have been out of town all week. So I did some pre-recorded stuff. If there's any major news that you're expecting to hear about, I will get to it on Monday. Uh, but for now, we will continue with the Everman series. And I am beginning the show with Jordan Hicks. We will also go through Jonathan Bullard and Malik Knowles. Uh, but first off, Jordan Hicks grew up a fan of Michael Jordan in Westchester, Ohio. Big basketball fan. Wanted to be a basketball player. Wanted to be like Mike. You know how many kids, right? Um, and he was, you know, he, he played a little bit of football growing up too, but basketball was like his main focus. And his coaches always kind of said, hey, you know, keep football in mind. Don't. Uh, quit on the sport or anything like that, be a multi-sport athlete, like that's always going to be good for you. So once he's on the high school basketball team, he's doing fine. Uh, but when he goes through his growth spurts and all that, he tops out at about 6'1". Everybody else on the basketball team grows up a little bit more than that. Hey, 6'1 is is no slouch. You know, you can be a football player at 6'1", depending on your position. 6'1 linebacker is totally fine. A 6'1 basketball player, not so much of a future there when you're uh, six, when you got to be a little taller for that. So he sort of switches his focus over to football and playing linebacker. And now he says, you know, football has grown into a love that was greater than his love for basketball ever was. Um, he grew into a very prized linebacker, the athletic profile that he has at linebacker and the mentality that he has and the work that it leads to led him to be very, very sought after, and he would end up being a Texas Longhorn. Um, hey, it's easy to get a big head when you're getting that much attention. You know, you're getting calls from colleges, and it's very clear. Everybody knows that, you know, you're you're the king of the world, right? But not for Jordan Hicks. Um, he has some advice from his mother, who raised uh, him as a single mother. Stay humble during his time as a Texas Longhorn, which is... Up and down, we'll go with. Uh, there are a couple of injuries, I think an Achilles and something else that like leaves him out for a couple of years of college. Um, there's an off-field thing. It's a, a rape accusation that sort of does, one of those that doesn't like go anywhere that get the charges get dropped later. But it's a whole story, and who knows what the facts are? It doesn't matter. Um, the point is, his time at Texas is something of a disappointment for him. Not to mention, you know, he joins the Texas Longhorns in like 2012, 2013. There's still a program with some prestige, but going through a slew of coaches and extra uh, organizational things and all this turnover and it's tumultuous and all this stuff, 
his time as a Longhorn, they are not the program that he thought he was signing up for. And there's something a little bit disappointing of that in that. But I guess he will end up kind of getting the opposite side of that coin. And ultimately, the whole time, you stay humble. And it gives you a work ethic and a sort of hunger that can help you do something like rehab an Achilles injury and um, continue to excel. He will sneak into the draft, become a Philadelphia Eagle. And once he gets with the Eagles, who are kind of, I mean, 2015, the Eagles, this is like the Chip Kelly year. And they're about to kind of finish out on a very strange little uh, journey that they go to between Andy Reid and then Doug Peterson, uh, who will take, I think he takes over in 2016, right? In 2017 is his second year. Um, They go through this weird Chip Kelly thing and, uh, you know, this weird sort of transformation that, you know, the Eagles pre-Super Bowl win in 2017 are also kind of one of those franchises, the kind that's known for losing a bunch of NFC championships with Andy Reid, that's known for losing the Super Bowl in 1980 and in 2004, and uh, that is kind of known more as a screw-up than as like a, a storied, you know, prestigious organization, like what he thought he was joining at Texas. But it's here where he wins a championship. Isn't that interesting? Throughout this entire time, however, he is, I mean, everybody will rave about his humility, his work ethic, and, and him as a leader, and ultimately as a teammate. He'll be a team captain in all of these places, and I believe he's a team captain, or he's got a good chance to be voted a team captain this year for the Vikings. Um... For him, it's always about who propped him up to be able to achieve this. And while you will talk to a, a former coach or talk to a former teammate, they'll say, oh, that guy's work ethic is pretty crazy. He'll go, oh, yeah, no, that was, you know, credit to my high school defensive coordinator for teaching me that. Credit to my teammates. Credit to everybody. Some of that is saying the right thing. But even off the record and in more like intimate context, people say, no, that's just kind of like how he talks about it, how he thinks about it. Always stay humble, right? Uh, and buy in to the fact that teammates can lift you up. That's going to be what this whole kind of theme of this episode is, is teammates and the concept of not only like community, but brotherhood, the, the tight, almost like warlike bonds that you make with uh, a fellow teammate and how they affect people. And it is fitting to start that with Jordan Hicks, who's one of the people that everybody raves about as um, one of the drivers of that kind of mentality, wherever he goes, you know, one of the most team oriented, team building kind of people. And everybody is super endeared to him for that reason. Um, elsewhere in this, you know, we've got people who go through struggles in life, I guess, and uh people whose teammates prop them up during that time and help them get through. Um, before, however, I do that, let me talk to you about America's number one sports book. It is FanDuel. It's the best place to gramble on anything. Personally, my favorite bet right now is uh, Justin Jefferson over-unders just came out. It's at 1,400.5. So if you think that Justin Jefferson will not tie or do worse than his rookie season, which is his worst season, um, which was a 1,400-yard season, 
then you can go ahead and gramble on the over there. And you can go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can actually get 200 bucks up to 200 bucks back in bonus bets as like a tenfold return on your first bet. If you haven't signed up yet, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Sign up there. And then when you claim this, whatever you put in for your first bet, so say $20, will get matched tenfold up to 200 bucks this way. Put in $10, get 100 bucks back, and so on. That is the uh, the current promo going on at FanDuel. There are all kinds of promos that are always going on at FanDuel, though. So go make sure you check back at FanDuel.com uh, periodically, and their app is safe, secure, and easy to use, and they pay out instantly when they win. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, make every moment more. Thank you so much for those of you who do listen to this show every single day. I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, if you want something a little bit more substantial, something you can really sink your teeth into from an X's and O's standpoint, check out patreon.com slash NFL. We've got all kinds of film breakdowns over there, draft breakdowns of a lot of the rookies and the history doc. Seven parts uh, each adding up to like seven hours total of Minnesota Vikings history documentary content. You can find all of that at patreon.com slash NFL. I want to start this next story out in Shelby, North Carolina, where... Uh, Jonathan Bullard's parents will go through a divorce that he calls kind of messy and they will end up having to spend a lot of time working to support the kid. And that means that his parents aren't going to be able to be around for him a lot. So the grandparents step in. Um, he will get very close to his grandmother for this reason. And growing up, I mean, that's and ultimately who raises them, who raises him, and he views his grandparents as like a second mom and dad. Um, he calls his grandma mama, and uh, she will instill in him a lot of the values that turn, you know, kind of lead him to be a, a, a good athlete, the work ethic, and all of that stuff uh, for as much as she has to kind of step in, circumstances dictate. So when it comes time to be recruited, there are two schools that he has kind of got things narrowed down to, Florida and Clemson. He's a really highly sought-after guy. Uh, Florida and Clemson are the two major schools that he's going to go to. And obviously, one is a lot closer to home than the other, right? Clemson is right near, uh, is, you know, same state as North Carolina, and then you could, but you could go all the way down to Florida. And the, the drive to the University of Florida is almost like 500 miles. Uh, Mama's not making it. And that really bugged him, the thought that, you know, she's not going to be able to come to all of my games. Um, And it made him kind of second guess, because when he visited, he liked Florida a lot better than Clemson. But then there's this kind of thing tugging him to stay back home. In talking to her about it, she says, like, no, what are you talking about? Go to Florida. Like, it's fine. Um, But this idea of being away from home is, you know, an angsty thing. Uh, That is a difficulty and a challenge in its own right. Um, So as he's playing at Florida, his grandmother will fall ill and soon it will go critical. And uh, it becomes clear that she's on, on her deathbed and that this is going to be it. Um, So he'll go home to see her and he gets the blessing from his stat from, from his coaches. Like, Hey, you know, you can miss a game if you have to go, go be with your grandma. Um, and, and he really wants to be there during her final hours, but he will have to miss a game against Louisiana Lafayette to do so. And he's kind of conflicted about this, but not actually, uh, he, he, like, it's an easy decision. It just sucks. He's going to stay with grandma. 
And his grandfather said, starts talking to him about it and kind of talks him out of it and says, hey, look, you know, you came here, you were here, say your goodbye on your own terms and, you know, don't miss a game. It's okay. Uh, and kind of convinces him that it's going to be all right to go back, play this game. And there's something about football that sort of welds itself to your personal life. Whatever is going on for you, you will fuse it <laughs> with football sometimes. We see this in a lot of, uh, you know, more the more like famous moments in football, like um, recently, the way that the Bills kind of played harder in the week after the, the DeMar Hamlin uh, injury thing. If you want a Vikings example, look at the 1973 team after Carl Kosoki uh, sustained his injury in a motorcycle crash. He the, the way that they played was kind of for him, and they scream out to a 10-0 start. That was one of their Super Bowl years. Um, for something more recent, though, look to Brett Favre playing against the Oakland Raiders the day after his dad dies. It's like it's it's becomes not a distraction from the thing. It becomes about the thing because now I'm playing for you. I'm playing as as a, a way to honor you. And the better I play, the more I've honored you. The, the things sort of fuse together and in a way that affects team bonds, too. Um Jonathan Bullard is very, very close with his teammates at Florida. He's a, a leader there. And when it comes to the 2015 season, which is when Jonathan Bullard can officially declare, uh, he decides not to. He decides to return to the Florida Gators, kind of unfinished business. Now, he could have gotten drafted he that year. And he will end up getting drafted anyways. But he like when you think you can get drafted, you pretty much go out. Um, that's kind of just the way it goes, but the bonds of his teammates and the idea of having the opportunity to play another season with them, but not doing it, he's not going to do it. They all say what a selfless thing. Uh, and they, the, the, the bonds kind of keep him there. Well, that season passes by 2016 draft comes around. He becomes a Chicago bear for a little while, but much like Jordan Hicks, the last couple years of his career have been kind of weird. A stint in Atlanta, um, and then this sort of resurgence on the Vikings in at Vikings training camp last year, where he showed out so hard that he actually won a starting job that many went into that training camp not even really thinking he was in contention for. Um, and he uh, sort of is in that same battle again with Jaquelin Roy or or Kyrie's Tonga, Dean Lowry, all these guys. You know who's going to get the snaps? Who's going to get the roster spots? Um, unfortunately a bicep injury will sort of derail his ability to really be on it that season. Uh, but he sort of has an opportunity to establish himself as more than a journeyman, you know, a roster bubble, maybe you need a, maybe you don't random veteran you bring in to compete with a rookie maybe, or something like that. Um, if he can build on what he did last year, Things are sort of looking up for Jonathan Bullard. But as with all things, it all depends on what happens in camp. Because, you know, a, a good camp, he could really build it, his career into something more. A bad camp could end up being cut, going right back down to practice squads where he was before. There's one last guy 
uh, that I want to talk about and perhaps the one who had the most impact on his team and vice versa. It's Malik Knowles. Malik Knowles originally grew up in Linwood, California, but he moved to Mansfield, Texas as a kid in a situation he describes as like a French Fresh Prince kind of deal. He goes and lives with his aunt and uncle uh, with a an intent to kind of get a better situation, I guess. Um, and there, hey, I live in Texas now. I play football. <laughs> That's religion, actually. That's law uh, in the state of Texas. You must. <laughs> but he's short. He's five foot six, and he's just kind of this shifty little guy. Plays a lot of running back. Uh, and he was like super dynamic, but everybody's going to look over the five foot six kid and look at the kid, you know, like college recruiters. They're not going to look at the five foot six kid unless he's particularly dynamic uh, or they think he's going to grow up more or whatever. Um, but late in high school, perhaps too late to get the attention of the recruiters that he wants, he will sprout up like crazy, like 10 inches. And uh, he has to sort of relearn how to run, but he's also going to change positions. So it totally changes the footwork and the mentality and all of this other stuff. He is learning a new position right at the end of high school. He is raw, uncontrolled, all potential because he's this really crazy athlete, super fast, super tall. Okay, and now suddenly as a receiver, all right, now we got something to mold, right? Um. And that isn't that crazy of a story. A lot of kids will sort of grow up late and, you know, depending on how their puberty clock works, right, and maybe switch positions at the end of high school. But, hey, you're going, you're about to get college coaching. They're probably going to change everything about the way you play anyways. And so he goes to Kansas State, Wildcats, plays with Skylar Thompson there. uh, And his, as a guy whose, like, biggest deficiency, his height, is gone. Sky's the limit, right? He's just got to learn the thing. But... Um, this is where the challenges start to come in. He is an all potential kind of guy that has to get reps and get experience and learn the position. And then once he's learned the position, right, you know, sky's the limit, but injuries are going to plague him quite a lot over most of his time at Kansas state. He'll be dealing with one thing or another in the media. If you listen to like interviews and stuff, he comes across as very shy and reserved Uh, And I I wonder if that is just a facet of, you know, when you're when that's your thing, a lot of the questions you're going to get are about your body and how it's holding up and injury stuff. And and it might even be stuff you can't answer, let alone want to. So he comes across as this very closed off person, but everyone in that building seems to have a story about Malik Knowles and the impact that he has had on them. Um, For example, his roommate, I think his name is Jalen Pickle. Yeah, Jalen Pickle uh, is a basically like a brother to him now. They hang out at their at uh, Malik Knowles' house all the time. They with like all kinds of you know fun stuff to do, games to play and stuff. And they've even gotten so close that Malik Knowles' uncle has like drawn tattoos on Jalen Pickle, um, and truly, you know. What better example of the idea that teammates become family? Um, there is a recruiting coordinator there at, at Kansas State that his name is Taylor Brett, 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 Brett. I, I don't know how to say it, but um, he has a Thanksgiving meal at his house every year for kids who, for, what, for whatever reason, can't make it home for the holidays. Uh, so there's all these like college boys there, and he will, he says he'll never forget the first one of these that Malik Knowles made it to where he um, spent most of the afternoon playing with uh, 
Brett's two little daughters and hanging out with them for the whole day. After that Thanksgiving, they and he left, the two daughters were like, he's our favorite now. If you ever get us a jersey, it has to have a number four on it, which is Malik Knowles' number. Like, he's totally endeared to them. And that is just kind of the effect that he has on, like, everybody. Everybody rallies around him, and everybody sees the potential that this kid has, uh, from his coaches to his teammates to everybody. If you ask, hey, how does Malik Knowles look? They're like, oh, this kid's going to break out. And then he gets hurt. And all oh, this kid's going to break out. Oh, then he gets hurt. And there is this sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop his whole time at Kansas State. In particular, you'll hear a lot about him if you ask Skylar Thompson, who was his quarterback. And when Skylar Thompson was a kid, his mom died of cancer. And I think it's right before his senior year, uh, Malik Knowles' senior year, final year at, at Kansas State, the same will happen to him. His mother will fall ill and ultimately pass away. Um that gets a little more real. And again, it's the kind of thing that fuses with you. The way his teammates rally around him is palpable and visible to the outside of observer. If you watch his final season, 2022 with Kansas state, where he actually does break out a little bit as just enough of a player to get a chance with an NFL team. Every time he makes a play, it's a little bit more supercharged on that sideline. Everybody, maybe it's just, I've been watching this kid and we finally get to see, everybody gets to see what we've finally seen and there's vindication to it. Maybe it's that they know what he's going through and they're just there for him. Um, no matter how you slice it, it's very clear the kind of effect that being on a team with somebody has and the way that it changes how you react to the things in, in your own life that everybody experiences one way or another. For Malik Knowles, it's now time to build those bonds up again. He's with a totally new group of people uh, trying to, you know, from different walks of life and in different situations. You know, now there's 30-year-olds um, that are in a very different form in life, people with kids, all that. That is where Malik Knowles has to find his sense of community again. But hey, it's a football team. That part kind of happens naturally. Um, it just is down to can Malik Knowles find his way onto the scout team or find his way onto the roster if he really blows up. Um, he seems to be of all the like undrafted receivers, the one that people are most excited about. He's probably the best prospect of the undrafted receivers, so if anybody's going to have a chance, right? Monday, I will be back live. So if there's any major news, we'll deal with that. Otherwise, we'll continue on with the Everman series or whatever I want to talk about. You know, my dad. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you guys Monday. And as always, Skull.